Well, just last week, we sent a lander to the moon, and unfortunately, the Peregrine lander uh, failed. The launch was spectacular and completely successful, but it failed after it was deployed. Uh, those of you that are history buffs may remember that we actually landed on the moon uh, several times, uh, 50 years ago or a little more than that now, I guess. But this one's different because this one is privately owned. Hi, everybody. I'm Bill Whittle here with Steve Green and Scott Ott. And uh, the question today, guys, is not so much geeking out on the hardware, though I was certainly always willing to do that. It's the entire idea of private ownership of space, uh, of, of assets in space. Um, the United States signed a treaty in the 60s that basically said space belongs to everyone. You're not able to go up there and put a sign on it. And uh, I think that was a bad idea. Uh, what, what we can say for certain, I think, is that until or unless um, space exploration and, and, and space industry turn a profit, then it's running on borrowed time because nobody's going to keep throwing money into a money pit forever. Uh, Steve, this, this idea of uh, private ownership of uh, parts of uh, space really bothers some people. I notice that it really bothers people the most who have never heard about the particular things in question. You know, it turns out there's an asteroid out there, as you pointed out the, in a previous show, that the, the asteroid called Psyche, I think, that is estimated to be worth trillions and trillions of dollars worth of raw materials. One oh, Quadrillions. Quadrillions. Oh, yeah. Huge. Okay, so, so you're talking about something that's basically got the ability to pay off the national debt as pocket change just for the fun of it. Just, you just toss the, the, the 33 trillion off to the coins there and, and keep the real money. So um, what do you think about this idea of private property? Do you think that, that there's any case to be made that space belongs to all of the humans or, or do you think it's uh, a little more like my personal attitude, which is you want some of this money, you come up and get it. Yeah, out of all the stupid hippie crap we did in the 60s, uh, the Outer Space Treaty is probably right up there among the very stupidest ideas. Um, and I, I think that's what it was called, is the Outer Space Treaty, mm -hmm. saying, oh, it's all just public property, it's all commons, uh, hooey for us, we feel very good about ourselves for <laughs> being such committed little socialists or whatever. Um, <clears throat> and it's such a fantastically bad idea. Yeah, so uh, just a, a quick recap. Psyche-19 is this large asteroid that we believe is got tremendous amounts of heavy metals. You know, all the iron ore you could ever need for colonizing the, the whole solar system. And its real value is uh, the fact that it's not sitting, all those metals are not sitting at the at the bottom of a deep gravity well. Yep. Um, I mean, Metal's stuff, heavy. Yeah, and getting stuff into space is is expensive. I mean, SpaceX has brought it down quite a lot. I think by like forty or fifty percent. But it's still about the priciest thing you can you can possibly do just to get a single gram into into orbit. So we got all that metal sitting there. But let's let's look at a at another frontier. Kennedy liked to call space the the new frontier, and I think he was absolutely right, and we got a great Donald Fagan song out of that, too. Yeah, we did. But the uh, <laughs> the point of this is the, the interior of the country didn't really get filled in with people until the Homestead Act. And what the Homestead Act said was, right. if you go and improve 40 acres of property, it's yours. You didn't have to buy it. You didn't yep. have to pay for it. You didn't have to lease it from anybody. Change the world. If yeah, you brilliant. Im if you improve it, if you farm it, it's yours by right. It's 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 your property, and man, we brought people in from all over the place wanting their their plot of America, and and that's what filled in the the vast middle of the country. It's, I, I'm not sure I'd I'd have a home here in Colorado if it weren't for that. You know, everybody either be in California or, or New York or Virginia still. Um, so it was a, just a genius law. If you are looking at developing 
Psyche 19, if you're thinking, man, I'm going to build a space smelter and I'm going to get that thing to, to Psyche 19 and I am going to start making money hand over fist by making all this great stuff and, and building these ships that are going to explore the solar system. Well, if you can't settle, if you can't get your 40 acres by right on Psyche 19, you're not going to do it. Because somebody else could come along with a bigger spaceship and just take what you have and you have no appeal, you have no rights. It's not your property because of the stupid Outer Space Treaty. We've got to withdraw from that treaty and have some kind of homestead act for space. I got to tell you, Steve, that is a brilliant, brilliant <coughs> analogy. I, I, I really, I can't believe that never occurred to me. It's just terrific. The idea that you can basically say, hey, you want, you want to own, uh, you know, 40 acres of the moon? You go on up there and build yourself a base. Congratulations, it's yours. That is a really, really, really interesting way to look at things. Uh, Scott, there's another benefit to uh, privately owned um, enterprises like this. So the Peregrine Lander uh, failed uh, and is still functional, but it's not going to be able to make the moon landing. Um, now, if this had been a NASA moon mission, I would, which I kind of assumed that it sort of was, is what I'm used to. I thought, oh, that's a that kind of sucks. Uh, Peregrine lander failed. The probably next opportunity is going to be three or four years from now. Turns out the next opportunity is next month, and there's a third one coming the month after that. Um, this is what the power of competition does. And and one thing that that I think all three of us appreciate is is probably the single most important thing about SpaceX's spectacular success is operational tempo. Yeah. Is just how fast can you turn this around? Um, and the ability to have separate companies, each with their own design, that are not so much competing against each other, but they're competing for the kind of the, the distant prize. The, the, it's just the way to go. In, in the same week, I watched uh, a couple of SpaceX launches. I watched uh, Blue Origin's uh, rocket engines go up on the uh, United Launch Alliance uh, Vulcan spacecraft. And this morning, I just watched a Japanese satellite launch. And I, as I was watching the Japanese one, I thought, yeah, this is what we do. We go to space. Like, this is like yeah. a normal thing now, you know? It's it's not some science fiction fantasy that you're like, oh, someday we will we will launch rockets on a regular basis from Earth. We're doing this. I saw an old uh, video of a meeting that Elon Musk and Gwen Shotwell from uh, SpaceX were holding. It was like an all-hands meeting. And they were literally talking about having that operational tempo that is on a par with the way airplanes take off and land now. He's like, the key is not just the ability to launch and then reuse a rocket. The key is to be able to launch and reuse it with minimal uh, work required in between. And so basically, to be able to take that rocket and refuel it and send it right back up without having to do massive work to it. Um, and this is this is just amazing. We live in a time when not only people are talking like this, but they're doing it. It, it, it. I was thinking through the process of what it means to to have ownership in space, and I thought, you know, if you don't keep space private, then the only real development that's going to happen out there will be military in nature because it'll be driven by governments that can tax and spend for self-defense and they will or uh, you know offense <laughs> and they will drive the spending of space exploration for for weaponry and and for satellites that are of a military nature 
if you nationalize space, in other words, carving it up among the nations, then you have to have treaties that establish boundaries. And let's say if we're going to take the lunar surface, we have to say, okay, well, this part will belong to China, and this part will belong to Russia, and this part is the U.S. And um, However, if you privatize it, then you need some kind of agreed-upon, minimal, commercial, international law. And what Steve suggested about homesteading, I think, should be the foundation of that. Instead of saying, hey, we want territory and space that belongs to my country, we basically say we want to make, we want to make it easier for people to develop resources in space that benefit humanity. And so let's, uh, let's make it so that if you can get there, and if you can do the work uh, and you can turn a profit, then that, that will benefit everybody. And, and I think really that's the best approach to it. If you, if you start churning through it and you go, wow, man, if we any other way is going to result in just kind of what we have here on Earth, the worst elements of what we have here on Earth, then multiplied exponentially, uh, universally, so to speak. Well, if we're serious about doing something, we ought to be serious about doing it. That's the way I look at things. Um, there's a, there's a, I think the, essentially it's the essence of, of left, modern left-wing thinking, at least anyway, is, is this idea that if somebody does something that improves all of society, but that person gets richer as a result of that, they don't see all the boats rising. They just see one person increasing the gap between himself and, and, the, and the average, and they'd rather just have us all sit in poverty and be equally, you know, filled with lice and parasites and eating our, you know, our our dried algae cakes and, you know, raising money for the Guatemalan water snake. Um, but the private property idea, the very idea of ownership is what allows people to harness the extra capacity for work. What's in it for me? Well, that's what is going to make me stay up later? What's going to make me come in on weekends? What's going to make what's going to make all this stuff happen? Elon Musk turned SpaceX into what it is because he knew what was in it for him. He didn't do this as a favor. Now, we do have the ability to compare this idea of private uh, ownership versus government ownership because we've had government ownership of space in terms of the United States since we've been flying in space. Prior to the first Dragon launch, uh, we depended on the U.S. government to get U.S. astronauts into space. And towards the end of that era, we couldn't. We didn't have any means of getting them up there. They either ride with the Russians or else they stay on the ground. And having watched the space shuttle move in basically the same orbit that John Glenn moved for 35 years to, to, to supply an international space station, which they're going to deorbit and basically incinerate within 10 years, I'm not impressed. So I'll just close this with a quick little anecdote. Uh, we're recording this on uh, Friday morning at 6 6.45, 6.50 Pacific time. I've been up all night because um, Natasha has never seen a space launch, and I heard that there was a night launch at Vandenberg Air Force Base. So earlier uh, this evening, we got in the car, we drove two and a half hours out to Lompoc, found a great place, set up everything, and uh, found out that the launch was scrubbed and that it was pushed back 24 hours. So we had a great time. Do I want to go back tonight? I don't. I don't want to make that drive twice. So I said to myself, all right, well, you know, there's got to be at least another couple of launches at Vandenberg at nighttime, you know, in 2024, I'll just look for the next schedule. So I went to the, um, to the launch schedule for SpaceX at Vandenberg. Uh, they are going to be doing seven launches at Vandenberg in March, in March. So 
if for no other reason than your uh, convenient viewing pleasure, there's a lot to be said for the profit motive and the incentive. And this is the only way that it's going to actually stick. And I'm tired of going into space and then coming back to the ground and sitting there and talking about what our grandparents did and, uh, and you know, just pining away for a chance to, you know, show us what we're capable of. That'll do it for this edition of Right Angle. It's made possible by the members here at BillWhittle.com, to whom we are eternally grateful. Uh, our gratitude to them will last longer than the footprints on the moon, and, and I don't mean that in a maudlin way whatsoever. For Steve Green and Scott Ott, I'm Bill Whittle. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time here on Right Angle.